More opportunities to give means more opportunities to receive. More opportunities to receive mean more opportunities to give. I'm going to say that again. More opportunities to give means more opportunities to receive. When you sow your seed into the kingdom of God, it's like planting seed in a good harvest field. Then you reap a harvest. Now what do you do with all that you've harvested? Now you give again. And then when you give again, you receive again. And then you, after you receive, you give again. That's why the Bible says when you give, it's given back to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over But I want to tell you the most important thing you can give to God today. The most important thing you can give to God today is your life. We're going to talk today about David, him being a prophet in the book of Psalms. How many like the book of Psalms? Did you know David was a prophet? He spoke on behalf of God. And when he spoke on behalf of God, things came to pass. As a matter of fact, Isaiah and David are the most quoted books of the New Testament. That's how prophetic the Psalms are. Today we're going to go to Psalm chapter 2 and we're going to learn about asking God for the nations. Somebody say, ask God for the nations. Thank you. Go to Psalm chapter 2 verse 1. Psalm chapter 2 verse 1 says, Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up. Come on, somebody say, they're rising up. Amen. They rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Look at this next portion right here, verse 8. Ask me, and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. You will break them with a rod of iron. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. Therefore, you kings, be wise, be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his rule with trembling. Kiss his son or he will be angry and your way will lead to your destruction. For his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. How many can say amen to that word? Amen. Go back to verse 1. The Bible says, why do the nations conspire and the people's plot in vain? What is the world saying right now about our Jesus? Is the world as a whole in general accepting Jesus as Lord? Are they accepting his word as the word of God with final authority? Is this generation rising up to bless Jesus and to say, we'll follow your commands? Is that what this generation is doing? Now, what are they doing? Just like what the the psalm said they were doing. Back then, same thing now, the nations are conspiring. They are plotting against our God. They're saying, let's take the Bible out of schools. Let's take prayer out of the public place. Now, if you're given the valedictorian speech, you can't even pray during that time. Now, if you're on a football team, you can't, in most high schools, you can't even take a knee and thank God. That's how bad it is. They have conspired Against God. 
Most schools can't even have, most public places, therefore, not even just schools, public places could not even have a nativity scene during Christmas time when the very holiday is named after Christ. The government has conspired against God and his people. Right now, if the liberals, if the ungodly had their way, they would take away every job from you until you bow down to them and agree to their social pressure. They will take, they, if they had their way, if listen to me, if Hillary Clinton had her way, this is what she would do. She would get you fired unless you call Jane, now Jim, if Jane has a sex change. That's what they want to do. Fire every single person working a job, especially if you are in a public job like schools or government, fire you. Do you agree to call people that have gotten sex changes by their new names and treat them as a female? Let's say you're a gym teacher. Will you now treat Jane as Joe? Let Joe go to the boys' locker room and treat Joe as a boy. If you don't, we want to fire you. That's what they want to do right now. They're trying to get that through right now. They're already starting that process in Canada right now. People are conspiring against our God. Whatever happened to each person being able to tolerate each other's differences? I don't make you, listen, I don't make you call me a pastor. Why should I have to call you by a different name than what your DNA says? You can call me Joe. That's fine. But why should I now have to call you something that you have changed to be and I don't agree with? But notice how it always works. It works in small steps. It works in small ways. The conspiracy of the world, because look at it, it's not my words, it's the Bible. Why do the nations conspire and the people's plot in vain? When it happens, it's never just a big thing so everybody can stand up and go, oh man, no, don't do that. Like a lot of times people think, well, if the Bible's true and the Antichrist is true, once I see 666, the mark of the beast, I'll know to become a Christian then. No, you won't. Because it will be so deceiving, just like it is now with the social pressure being put upon you. What else are they conspiring to say? The world is conspiring to say that there's many ways to God. There's not just one way. There's many ways. And then if you say your way is the only way, you're not loving. You're not tolerant. And we don't want to hear from you. School clubs... Christian clubs shut down all the time under that. We have to go back to our leaders and actually tell them, you have a right on this campus as a student to start your school club. But they never try to stop the Muslim school club, never try to stop the LGBTQ school club, never try to stop any of those other clubs. But when we go to the high school and we say, teacher, we would like to start a club, they begin to say, well, you know, we got to keep religion separated we allow the Muslims because, you know, that teaches culture and they need to get their, you know, be around people of the same culture. We let the LGBTQ do this because, you know, they, they're an oppressed minority, so we got to let them get their encouragement. You Christians, you're bigoted. How about this? Go into the closet while the other ones are coming out the closet. They say right now in Silicon Valley, Silicon Valley, they say, and I didn't hear this from a Christian. I heard this from non-Christians. It was actually a TV show that showed this as a part of their, their episode. 
that when the person came out gay, he was celebrated. When he came out a Christian, he was hated. And he said, it's harder to come out as a Christian in Silicon Valley than it is to come out being gay. And isn't that just like the world right now? You go tell your friend right now, come on, young people. You go tell your friend, I'm bisexual. Oh, man, they're going to clap for you. That's so cool. Man, when would you find that out? That's so awesome. How can I support you? You go tell your friend this Monday. You go tell him this Monday, I'm going hard for Jesus this year. I'm keeping these commands. They'll get upset with you. Why? Because they know this Bible doesn't agree with their lifestyle. Now, let me just say it here because we always got visitors. Do we love everybody? Absolutely. But do we agree with everybody? No. We, we love you, but we don't love your sin. Do you love me? Do you love it when I sin? <laughs> no. You shouldn't love it when I sin. Some of you are like just going to say yes to anything. Come on. You all love me, yes or no? Do you love me when I sin? Or to love the sin, rather. You still love me, but you know what I mean. You don't love the sin. I love the sinner, hate the sin. It's that simple. How complicated can it be? The Bible says the nations, they conspire, they rise up against God. Then the Bible says they do it in vain. Look at verse 2. The kings of the earth rise up. The rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed. Now, what do they say? What is the speech of these people against our God? What they say is, let us break off their chains and throw off their shackles. Man, this Bible is like a chain, man. I don't need to follow this. Let's get this out of, out of here, man. The Bible telling me I can't sleep with my girlfriend or boyfriend. The Bible telling me about, you know, these other things in life. Man, come on. Man, get off me. I'm going to get free from this. Man, I'm going to get free from this. The Bible says they literally say back to God, how dare you put me in chains and tell me who I can love and who I can't love? Tell me how I'm supposed to be married and tell me how I'm supposed to spend my money and how I'm supposed to treat my neighbor and what I'm supposed to do with alcohol and drugs. And God, how dare you tell us how to do that? The Bible says people talk like that. So what's the problem? They see the commands of God as chains. How many adults do I have right here that have at least $100 in their pocket and a set of car keys? Come on, raise your hand. How many know you could go get crack right now if you wanted to? Come on, raise your hands again. How many of you got at least $100 and a set of car keys? Raise your hand. Come on. Why aren't you buying crack right now? Why don't you go get it? Did somebody chain you down and say you can't go get it? You don't do it because you know it's best for you not to do it. You don't have to be chained here not to do it. You know it's not good for you. How many of you now who just raised your hands know you could cheat on your wife if you want to, cheat on your husband if you want to? Why don't you? Are you chained to that person? Are you made to be with that person? No. You know it's not the right thing for you. You see the difference? The world considers the commands of God a burden. Chains, oh man, this weighs me down. So hard living for God. Man, I just wish I could smoke crack more. Man, I just wish I could get drunk more. I wish I could just be more bitter and cuss more. I wish I could sleep around more with who I want because it always feels so good in the morning after one night stands. It always feels awesome. <sighs> man, there's nothing that the world has that I want. Some of y'all too young to know that, but many of us have already done it. There's nothing that the world has that's like some surprise to me. 
Like, oh, you don't know how awesome it is over here. How many of y'all have been drunk before? It's not awesome. How many of y'all have had illicit sex before? It's not awesome. I'll take my wife over that any day. How many of y'all have been in fights before? It's not awesome. How many of you have cussed somebody out before? It's not awesome. The very things that the world consider chains, God is saying, is for our protection. When I drive on a, on, on a mountainside, like my parents were, were taking me to the Sahara, Nevada, there in California, I was happy for guardrails. I didn't want to keep punch, I didn't want my dad to keep punching the car towards the guardrail and see how many times the gracious guardrail can keep us on the road. I wanted my dad to stay as far away from the guardrail and testing that thing as he could. Are you listening? We don't test God's grace by keep sinning and being forgiven and sinning and being forgiven. We don't want to go over the edge. God's chains are not, God's commands are not chains to us. They're guardrails. Amen. Can I hear an amen to that? So that's what they're saying. But what does God say in verse 4? <laughs> the one enthroned in heaven, he does what? He laughs at him. He laughs at 69. He laughs at Oprah Winfrey. He laughs at him. He laughs at Bill Gates. He laughs at Mark Zuckerberg. He, he laughs at Jeff Bezos. He laughs at the entire Chinese government right now. He is laughing at them. He's saying, you think you're in control because you have a little bit of power for a little bit of time? You are nothing. That's our God. He told us to know it like that. I'm not saying it like that. The Bible says the one enthroned in heaven laughs at them. And the Lord, just in case you didn't get it, like maybe he's laughing because he feels sorry for him. No, no, no. The Lord scoffs at them. He's basically saying to them, sure, give that a try when I come back to judge you. When I play dodgeball with my kids, I show no mercy. I have to teach them how to learn to duck. I got to teach them how to learn to run because I know y'all kids won't show them any mercy. So when I play with them, I don't show them mercy. I got to make them strong. And it's so funny when my daughter picks up the biggest ball and she looks right at me and she gets so angry because she's been getting hit and hit and hit. And now this is her chance. I laugh. I laugh at her. And then I scoff at her, and I go, throw that ball. Come on. Throw, I'm going to catch it. I'll just whoop, I'll, I'll throw it as hard as you want. Go right for this face right here. That's what God is saying to the sinners. Come on, China. Do all that you want to do. Come on, Mark Zuckerberg. Come on, all you power movers. Do all that you want to do. Come on, give it your best shot and see if you'll take me from this throne. Our creator laughs at them and scoffs at them. That should bother us because a lot of the them are our friends and family. A lot of people going to hell, we know. I know people going to hell that I care a lot about right now. And God cares more about them than I do. That's why he died on the cross for them. But he will not play with them in their rebellion. And so that's why today we've got to take this psalm serious, look back at 2018 and say, God, we're not going to be those who conspire and plot against you. God, we're going to be those who serve your king. We're going to be those who serve Jesus. Amen? Amen. He rebukes them in his anger and he terrifies them in his wrath. The Bible says when God's judgment really comes, people are terrified. I do not believe natural disasters are God's wrath against us. The natural 
disaster is because we live in a fallen world after we sinned. No one deserves it any more than the other. It's not like New Orleans people or Miami people are worse, okay? Trust me, I've been around there. It's not like they deserve a hurricane more. It's just now hurricanes happen because we're not in the Garden of Eden anymore. How many understand that? Okay, but just imagine this. If you get terrified, and I've been in New Orleans when the hurricane warnings come and we all get in the highways going this way, everybody's this way going out of the city. I've been there. I've had to go seek shelter, Hurricane George in the early 2000s. Listen, that terrifies people. A natural disaster terrifies people. How many know if we had an earthquake right now, you'd be terrified? Come on. The God who made the earth, when he brings wrath, that's more terrifying than natural disasters. Because if there was an earthquake, you would understand there's nowhere to run. Where do you run from the earth, right? You know, this idea that we're going to negotiate with God on judgment day, the Bible says it's going to be exactly the opposite. You make it right now. You pray the Our Father prayer now. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then further down, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. You pray that now because on judgment day you'll be terrified and cast into the lake of fire. How many want to go to hell? Anybody? Okay. How many want to go to heaven? Can I hear an amen? Amen. Amen. The Bible says he laughs at them. He rebukes them. He then says in verse 6, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. Who is the king that the father sets up to rule in the kingdom? What's his name? Jesus. You're all saying it like you sleep. What's his name? Jesus. Jesus. Go to Acts chapter 4, please. Acts chapter 4, verse 25. I want to show you where the New Testament takes the prophecy of Psalm chapter 2 and applies it to Jesus. David came hundreds of years before Jesus, and he's prophesying that the Father is going to set up his anointed. Did you know that the word anointed in the Hebrew is Mashiach, Messiah, translated to Greek, Christo, to English, Christ? Did you know that the name Christ the Messiah is not Jesus' last name? It's a description of his kingship. So that's why you don't take his name in vain. If you're going to take anybody's name in vain, take Hillary Clinton's name in vain. Take Buddha's name in vain. Stub your toe and say, oh, Buddha, if you want. But don't say, oh, Jesus Christ, because that's the name of our God and King. It gets quiet when I preach like that. Did you ever think about how slick the devil was? We take it in vain, the greatest king, the God of glory, and we don't take in vain Hitler. Why don't you stub your toe and say Hitler? Doesn't he deserve to be cursed when you get mad? Right? Come on, listen to me. Why do we say Jesus Christ when we stub our toe? It's because the devil wants you to blaspheme that name, to take it for granted, to think it's a a game, to play with that name. You honor that name, Jesus Christ, Jesus Messiah, Jesus the anointed King of God. That's what that means. That's exactly what it means. Now look at Acts chapter 4. Starting in verse uh, 25, it says, You spoke. Talking about God, you spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. So you prophesied uh, through David this truth that would come to pass. It says, why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? Didn't we just read that? That's Psalm chapter 2. The kings of the earth rise up together and the rulers band together against the Lord 
and against his anointed one, against the Christ one, against the Messiah one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided. So the Bible says even Jesus dying on the cross was part of the plan. No, no surprises there. Jesus purposely came to die for us. Now, Lord, consider their threats. And this should be the prayer of every person here. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hands to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant who? Jesus. Through the name of who we preach? Jesus, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Is the word of God being boldly preached to you today? Amen. That's because the anointed one is living on the inside of me. Jesus is here with us in power by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is what Jesus sent to represent his kingdom. The Father sent Jesus. Jesus died, buried, resurrected, went back to the Father, seated there now at his right hand. And then the Father and Son sent the Holy Spirit to be with us all to enact the kingdom of God. That's what we're waiting for is Jesus to come back and enact everything he promised. So what's the deal? Why are we waiting 2,000 years? Because of the next verse. He installs a king. At the resurrection, Jesus was installed king. Now what are we waiting for? Verse 7, I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today I've become your father. Jesus at the baptism was told to be the son of God, was he not? This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Father speaking, Holy Spirit dove coming down on Jesus. God is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Father's in heaven, Jesus in the water, Holy Spirit comes to rest on Jesus. Jesus goes back to the Father, Jesus then sends the Holy Spirit down to be with his people. Are you tracking? Are you understanding how it works with the Trinity? I'm looking around. Can I get a nod at least? An amen, something. Come on. Thank you. So the Bible says he is the son of God. Now watch verse 8. Now he says, the father says to Jesus, ask me, and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. You will break them. With a rod of iron, you will dash them to pieces like pottery. Have you guys learned about how God is going to treat the wicked on judgment day from our time in the prophets? Bible says he's going to sweep them away like dirt, snuff them out like a candle. Today's illustration of what sinners are treated like is you're broken like pottery. Is that how you want to be treated? Is broken like pottery, smashed to pieces? No, you want to be built up and made into the image of God. Amen? And the Bible then says, therefore, you kings, be wise, be warned, you rulers of the earth. Am I warning you today? Yes. And you're not even a king, amen? But I warn kings, I warn everybody, these videos go out, the books go out, and hopefully your messages go out as well on Facebook to your friends and family. The Bible says, be warned, verse 11, serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his rule with trembling. You should fear God. In other words, you should look at what God is going to do and go, man, I don't want that. I mean, if he's my creator and he's the one that made me, I don't have really anything to say about this and I surely can't stop it. If I can't stop a hurricane, how can I stop my God from judging? 
If I can't stop an earthquake, if I can't hold the tectonic plates of the earth together and say, stop moving, how am I going to stop the God who made that from coming down and bringing fire on this earth? Can't. So I fear my God. But what else? I celebrate his rule with trembling. How do you celebrate the rule with trembling? Let me give you an example. My children love me, but they also fear me. Around 8 o'clock at night is their bedtime. After that is a gift. If they've done well, they can stay up a little bit. You have never seen my kids behave as well as they do right around 7, 7.30. They are the best. Everything is yes, daddy, yes, mommy, no, mommy. Everything is perfectly said the right way. Some of you have been around around that time. Everything is put away. Their arguments die down because now they are waiting. They're waiting for the opportunity to be told, well done. You get the gift today of staying up later. That's what it means to serve the Lord with trembling and to celebrate his rule. God, I love you. I love being with you, but I know you're going to judge me. And I want to make sure that I do this right. I'm not saved by my good works. I'm saved by my faith in Christ. But through faith in Christ, good works come. That shows that we are the good fruit of God, the good vineyard of God. We're growing in the good fruit of God. And so if we say we believe in God, but we don't have any good fruit, we are a liar. Just as if I said I love my wife, but I never spend time with her. Just as if I said I love my kids, but I do nothing for them. If we say we love God and do not keep his commands, the Bible says we are liars. So that's how we serve. Serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his rule with trembling. I know my God's coming back pretty soon. He's going to bless us all. Can we make sure we're on our best behavior right now? And there's actually an entire parable based on that. That entire theme I just gave you, serving the Lord with fear and trembling and celebrating his rule, there's a, there's a parable. Jesus gave it about somebody who's in charge, left his business to a manager, and said, you better treat everybody right because I'm going to come back and check on you when you're not looking for it. That's the parable, guys. Make sure you're putting God first in all you do because you never know when he's coming back. And then look at verse 12. Kiss his son or he will be angry. And the Bible says in your way will lead to your destruction. Why are people destroyed in this Bible? Is it because God doesn't love them? No, it's because they chose their way over God's way. In the end, there's only two types of ways. The ones who say, God, not my will, but your will be done. Just as Jesus taught us in Gethsemane, he said, Father, not my will, but your will be done. There are those who will say, God, your will be done. And God will say, yes, yes, my will will be done in your life, Joe, Desiree, Ashley. And then there are only one other group of people, those who say, my will be done. But both of us get what we want in the end. You either get God's will and his blessings, or you get your will and your destruction. Look at it again. It says, kiss his son, or he will become angry. And whose way? Whose way? Come on, say it like you're up. And whose way? Your way will lead to whose destruction? Your destruction. Your way, your destruction. His way, your blessings. Only two types of people in the end, those who go God's way, those who go their way. Well, what about the Buddhists? That's their way. What about Muslims? That's their way. Any other way outside of Christ is the way of destruction. Jesus was very clear. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And then if you didn't already have the hell scared out of you, he says it one more time this way. 
You better check yourself before you wreck yourself. In my words, your way leads to your destruction. For his wrath can flare up in a moment. Do not play with God. His wrath flares up in a moment. But blessed are all those who take refuge in him. Can I give you the example one more time? Let's use my family as an example. All people who come to my house and do it my way are blessed. You have a refuge at my house. Your car were to break down or you were in need of something, have neighbors here, they can testify, I help out. Anytime you need anything, you come my way to my house. You honor me. You are blessed. You do one thing wrong in my house to me or my kids, my anger flares up like that. Like that. I had a guy walking his dog in front of our house, had the dog pooping on our yard. I came out there and I said, my kid, excuse me, my kids play in the yard and I don't want your dog pooping in the yard. And the guy got upset and said, you, you don't like dogs? I said, no, I love dogs. Let the dog poop on the other side of the sidewalk, which is public property, and then pick it up. Now listen to me. I love people. But if that man wanted to test me in my house that day, he would have found my wrath flaring up in a moment. Are you listening to me? I'll, I'll, I'll give him the first com- the command that says, turn the other cheek. You got one. Get it good because after that, Jesus didn't say what I could or could not do. <laughs> Boom, that was yours. It's on now. You do that again. Are you listening to me? I know we all want to be pacifists here and act like Christians are a bunch of sissies, but I still believe in just war. I believe in self-defense, and I believe my God teaches us this principle. You don't mess with God and his people. His wrath flares up in a moment. That's the Bible. That's not my word. So if Oprah Winfrey doesn't like that, if your professor doesn't like that, if you don't like that, I don't care. I'm here to teach it to you. How else can I translate it to you? For his wrath can flare up in a moment. What do you think that means? But as surely as his wrath flares up in a moment is as surely as the blessing is for those who take refuge in him. One more example. I was, no, I was never so happy to see the military as I came back from overseas. Because when I was overseas, I was flying close to a lot of places where the, where the Muslim extremists were at. As a matter of fact, I tried to do mission work in Pakistan, and that was when Osama bin Laden was hiding there. So since I couldn't go to Pakistan, I brought Pakistan to me. I brought the pastor there, and we met in Nepal. He couldn't fly to where I was in India because India and, Nepal, uh, India and Pakistan are still not getting along. But as we were in these regions, I know that they have extremists in India and in Nepal, and where they are at there, they persecute Christians. But when I flew back home and I saw our guys with guns, I was like, I'm proud to be an American, where at least I know I'm free. Why? Because I knew, man, that military's got my back. I'm not an enemy-held territory anymore. Here's the thing. The devil is fighting right now. You on your job. But you need to know angels are with you and God is with you. You need to understand we may be going through wicked times here, but our God is with us and one day he is coming to judge and make it right. I don't want Oprah. I don't want Hillary. I don't want these people to go to hell. I want them to go to heaven. But they have to understand unless they kiss my God like I have kissed him and worshiped him and loved him. That's what it means, kiss the son, and that you would actually kiss the ring of a king. And that's the idea there is of worship, bowing down. I love you, my God. You know, this is the illustration here. Unless they do that, destruction is coming. So I invite everyone here today to find refuge in Jesus. Amen. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, that was the introduction.
All right, now go to Matthew chapter 28 for the message. <laughs> go to Matthew chapter 20. It's not there. It's not there, sir. Go to Matthew chapter 28 quickly, quickly. I won't keep you too long. I just like to tease you guys. Today's a good day, amen? I want you to come back too. You guys are going to come back to church? All right. It's not too long for you? Somebody's like, eh, kind of is. Let's go to Matthew chapter 28. The Bible says, God spoke to his son and said, ask me for the what? Ask me for the? Okay, hold on. Let's go. We're not ready yet. Go back up to Psalm. We're not ready for Matthew 28 yet. Go back to Psalm, please. Go back to Psalm chapter 2, verse 8. God said to his son, he said, ask me for the what? Nations. And I will give them as your what? Inheritance. Talking to Jesus. Prophecy towards the, the, the coming of the Messiah and the second coming of Jesus, ruling and reigning. The ends of the earth as your what? Possession. Possession. Thank you. Now go to Matthew chapter 28. Go to Matthew chapter 28, verse 16, the last chapter of the gospel of Jesus according to Matthew. What is Jesus' last words to them? Hint, something to do with the nations. Amen. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Which one are you, a worshiper or a doubter? Come on, are you kissing the sun or are you doubting the sun? Because doubting is just as bad as conspiracy against him. You're either for him or you're against him. It's that simple. He even said that. That's what he said. That's not what I said. He took away any middle ground, okay? They saw him, some worship him, some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority. How much authority belongs to Jesus? All authority in where? In heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Now let's go back to these notes and talk about how we can do this this year. It is our job now to be disciples that make disciples of the nations. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, write it down and check it out later. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all of these things will be added unto you. It is our responsibility to put God's kingdom first. When we put his job first and his work first, he'll then take care of our work and our job. When we put his family and the family of God first, he'll take care of our family. How many get the principle? Amen. Now let me show you how we can do that this year in Metro Praise. Scroll down, please. Number one, we're going to love God and love people. You guys hear it every week, but it's good to go over it as we start a new year. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Somebody say, love God. So the greatest commandment you follow is to love who? Is to love God. Thank you. The second is like this. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So according to Jesus, the two greatest commandments are loving God and loving people. One more time. Loving God and loving people. How do we love God? You go through the whole Bible front to back. I've read it. Here's how you love him. Number one, you worship him. Just like Psalm 2 says, you kiss him. You love him. You worship him in spirit and in truth. And then you obey his commands. So you say you love God. My question back to you is, do you worship God? 
Do you make time in your day to put him first, to love on him, to speak his words back to him? He loves to hear his words. Do you sing songs to him? Is he the joy of your heart? And then you say you love God. Do you keep his commands? Do you truly read through the scriptures and say, God, whatever you say, I believe. I'm going to follow it. You would never ask me to do something I couldn't do or wasn't for my good. How many love God here today? Can I hear an amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you. Then we love people. This is what we're doing in 2019. We're going to love God. We're going to love people. How are we going to love people? We're going to love them by treating them like the good Samaritan helped the wounded person. We're going to be kind to our neighbors. We're going to be giving and generous and go out of our way to make a difference in this world. And then we're going to preach the gospel to them. We're going to help them, and then we're going to preach to them. If all they want is our help but not our gospel, that's fine. Our help is not necessitated by the gospel. We'll help you no matter what. When I was out here on the corner and I saw a drunk man pass out from the bench into the street, I didn't ask him if he wanted to be a Christian before I picked him up and brought him to the curb. I did that to be a good Samaritan. How many good Samaritans do we have here today? We preach because that is what is the greatest help we can give somebody. The greatest help is helping them know their God, know Jesus, and spend eternity with him. So somebody say, I'm going to love God, and I'm going to love people. Thank you. Now we're going to make disciples. Let's scroll down. How are we going to do that? You guys heard it in our announcements. We're going to follow the example of the New Testament church. The book of Acts literally is named Acts of the Apostles. It tells us their story and how they lived. 2019 is going to be a new thing, but it's going to be just like the old thing, okay? It's going to be retro, baby. We're doing the new thing, but like the old thing. We're doing church in the 21st century with multimedia, with life groups that have a lot of fun activities and, and services for our young people, but we're doing it like they did it 2,000 years ago. And Acts chapter 2, verse 42 and onward tells us how they did it. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. How many are going to keep coming to church, listen to the teachings of the apostles? Did I read my book today or the apostles' book today? I didn't read my book. And even if we teach a book here, it has to come from the apostles and the fellowship. How many like hanging out? Amen. To the breaking of bread and to prayer. Breaking of bread, there is communion. And to pray. How many have broke some bread today? Took communion and prayed. Amen. Are you here today? How many took communion today? Amen. Verse 43, everyone was filled with awe. So maybe it was a little different than some of you today. It sounds like some of you are filled with boredom. They were filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. So we're going to keep praying for miracles, signs, and wonders. Verse 44, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. So if you're looking back at me like, Pastor, man, we only gave away 15000 I want to give away more. Okay, sell your house. I'll use that money to go do some charity then, okay? So you give more, we'll spend more. How, how does that make sense to you just can't point to a big number like 300000 and say, we'll give away more, because I could point to your number of 30000 and say, why don't you give away more? It's all relative to your bills and the things you have to do. So you give more, we'll give more. Amen? So they gave away as much as they could. They sold their properties. They helped everyone in need, verse 46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. We may not get together every day legitimately like this, but we can do it on social media. How many check social media at least once a day? Amen. Do it for Jesus. Encourage each other there. How many can at least text somebody once a day and tell them that you love them, that you're praying for them? Amen. 
So they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. Now, this is not communion. This is hanging out and having like life group type bread, having food together. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Even though they were radical, even though they preached against sin, even though some people wanted to kill them, for the most part, they had the favor of all the people. And the Bible says the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So how many of you would like to have new customers daily if you do business with, with customers? How many of you would like to have new promotions daily or new raises? Just something good in your life daily. Come on, daily. Well, the Bible says that the church should daily be growing. So you want to see God's kingdom put forth soul winning and discipleship making. And then here's how we do it. Somebody say connect. connect. Amen. We connect you to the church through our services and life groups. Find a life group that works for you so you can share life together. Look at my Facebook page. I put them all up there yesterday. All 11 said something nice about them, tagged in their, their actual pages so you can track with them. There is something for everybody here, a way for you to pour out your life and share it together with others and obviously keep coming to church on Sundays. Then we mentor each other. This is something that we pass on. The tradition of the disciples was passed on by them making other disciples. He said to them, now you go into all the nations, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. So we do that through the 101 and 201, and everybody goes, send. And we send you out to change the world, to do evangelism at your life group before and after, before and after our services, because we love people. Why do you think we go to Pulaski and Madison to, uh, you know, this Saturday coming up? Because we love people. Why do they go around Logan Square before their life group? Because we love people. We want them to hear the message. And then lastly, our goal. Somebody say, the goal. Here it is, baby. We put it up on the board. Now you know why. Why do we say 100,000 disciples, Pedro? We say 100,000 disciples, 50 churches, 500 around the world, because the Bible says that we should ask him for the nations. That's why we do it. That's why we do it. So if you want to be in what God is in, ask him for the nations. Before you ask him this year for a promotion or for better grades or for more money, trust me, God knows that's important to you. Start where he wants you to start. Ask him for the nations. Let me say it to you like this. Does the Our Father prayer, which I think encompasses the whole Christian life, does the Our Father prayer start off with you praying for bread or God's kingdom to come? Mm, come on, somebody. What does it start off with? Oh, God, I need more bread. Send me the bread, Jesus. No. Hallowed be your name. That's why we don't take it in vain. Hallowed be your name. Holy, set apart is your name. May your kingdom come. And your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then what comes next? What comes after that? Give us today our daily bread. Does God know that bread is important for us? Yes, he does. But how does he teach us to pray for it? Kingdom first. Nations first. Souls first. Because man, look what the Bible says. Jesus said this. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out the mouth of God. So you don't just need more enlotes, you know, more tacos, more pizza. You don't just need more of that. That will end. But you got God's word. The word of God will never end. And you'll live forever with Jesus. Amen. So we're asking him for the nations. 100,000 disciples. Let's go. Let's go, baby. 50 churches. You've seen them what they look like. And let's plant 500 around the world. We've already been over there. 
I helped at one point oversee 200 churches in those nations I was talking to you about. I have seen the hunger and the desperation of those nations. Today is our day to pray for their salvation where they live and when they come here into this country. Every single one of us can meet nations at our job, in our schools, in our community. When I go to my park in my neighborhood, it's like the United Nations. It's like, where are you from? Oh, I'm from Morocco. Where are you from? I'm from Libya. Where are you from? You know, it's just every possible nation you can imagine. That's what it's like living in Chicago. So you've been given this opportunity. Take it serious, amen? Take it serious. Can we all stand up and give it up for Jesus now? Come on, y'all happy to be in church? Come on, let's do it. How many are excited to change the world for Jesus? Amen. Let's have the band and altar workers come, please. I'm just going to close out praying, and we'll dismiss in just a moment. Father, we thank you for an amazing 2018. Lord, I thank you for every penny that was given, every person that worked hard to support this ministry. I thank you for every blood, sweat, and tear that was paid for so life groups could be successful. Services on youth days could be awesome. Back-to-school parties could be record-setting. Puerto Rican Fest could be amazing. For every hard work that was done to renovate our truck, oh God, to make it a gospel truck with a stage. To everyone that paints walls, vacuums floors, watches children, changes diapers. To those who hand out flyers, do administration. Those who are behind me singing songs, using their talents. Lord, I thank you for this church. But Lord, everything we did in 18 is over. And I can't go back in time and get it to bring it with me. So Lord, now we take serious what's ahead of us, a future that is unknown. And we ask you to do it again. And do it again. And do it in ways we've never seen before. And I not only pray that for today's church called Metro Praise International, I pray that for Juan and Yolis Riasco, for Nini's Deli, for what they are planning to do this year. I pray it for Carlos and his heating and air conditioning business. I pray for the Escoval family, for Daryl's mechanic shop and his work as an engineer. Lord, I pray this over your people right now. Right now, would you pray it over yourselves right now? It's okay to ask the Lord for daily bread. Just start off by seeking this kingdom and then ask the Lord to bless you this year. Come on, Lord, I'm going to seek your kingdom. So I ask you to bless me on my job. I ask you to bless me and my family. I ask you to give me direction. I pray, God, that you'll bless destiny this year with her destiny, that she'll come into focus and clarity what you've called her to do. Lord, I pray for Edwin and new beginnings this year. New beginnings, my brother, I hear the Lord saying. It's a new beginning. It's a new beginning. It's not going to be like 18. 19 is something different. Get ready, get ready. God's doing it. God's doing it. Who else today? Come on, keep praying over your year. Some of you haven't been on point with your relationship with God. If you want to start there, come on up. Let the altar workers pray for you. We'll dismiss in just a moment, but nothing to be embarrassed or shy about. They're here to pray. You can start this new year serving Jesus if he hasn't been your Lord and Savior. 
Or if you don't know what it's like to be a disciple, come up right now and ask one of them to tell you what it's about. Or if you've been living for Jesus, but this last year you were struggling in sin, kind of going back and forth, back and forth, and you want to make it right, come up quickly. But for the rest of us, keep praying. Come on, this year is your year of favor. This year is your year of expansion. This is your year of new beginnings. Just sing out whatever's in your heart, please. We'll dismiss in just a moment. Thank you, guys. Don't be in a hurry right now. Come on, we're going to end it in prayer. If you have any issue today, maybe you've been sick in your body, let us pray for healing. Come on up. If you've been dealing with evil or nightmares or scary things in your head, come on up. Don't be embarrassed. We'll pray for that. Some of you want to get free from what you feel on the inside. God can do that. A few moments, a few moments can change your year right now. Set your target. Set your target on Jesus. Come on, now how many of you want to believe God to expand the ministry? Want to expand your life group? Pray for it right now. I pray for all of our life groups to grow. I pray for all of our school clubs to grow. I pray for disciples to be made through our lost friends and family. Thank you, Lord. You got it. Come on. That's it. That's it. A few more moments. Set forth your plan for this year with God.